This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. We're in a series with that title, God is for you. And it's hard for people, I think, to align with it emotionally, even though they will, theologically or spiritually, mentally, they would click that off, check the box. Is God for you? Yes, of course, God is for me. Do you feel God is for you? Amen. Well, yes, kind of, maybe, no, at times, but I know he is. So emotionally sometimes we don't always align to what we really believe because our feelings become very domineering. Rightly so sometimes that you're supposed to feel what you feel. If you would ask somebody, do you feel life is for you? No, not all the time. Do you feel life is against you? Maybe. Maybe I do sometimes. So it could be that people are against you. Sometimes. Sometimes I think they are. But God's not against you. No. But I don't know why God doesn't deal with the life and the people and the circumstance and the other stuff that is against me. Because I think they should line up with God, shouldn't they? Well, maybe they are aligned to God and God's using them differently even though you think it's a pressure against you. It's actually for you. Well, how can that be? Because God's ways are higher than yours. And sometimes we don't understand what comes our way and we have a hard time grasping this idea that's in the Bible and quite dominant in the Bible that God is for people in spite of me, not because of me, not because of my righteousness, not because of my good deeds, not because of all the good things I'm going to do for God. He's for me based on the work of the cross of Christ. He's for me because what he's already done for me, not because of me. And so I enter into a whole new realm of thinking, which is difficult. God is for me. Here's our declaration. God is for me all the time. doesn't matter how you feel. In the good and the bad, when I'm doing great, when I fail. Disappointment, discouragement, extraordinary trouble and pain. God is all-powerful. Always loving, ready to help me right now. Our Scripture verse, Psalms 56, verse 9. Then my enemies will retreat when I call to you, this I know. Now this is the series titled, This I Know. I'm convinced. God is on my side. That's what I know. Don't know all the other things, but this I know. This was David's reaction, response, and great declaration to a very hard time in his life. He said, this I know. Others fail me. Others turn against me. Even some of his own family. Other things happen that I can't explain. Some of the suffering, the pain, and the loss that David had physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, domestically, politically. He said, there's one thing I know. God's for me. I know you might interpret it that you think God is judging me or doing this, but I know, I know that God is for me. The day I call to you, my enemies will be turned back. I know this. God's on my side. God's on my side. Now, I'm going to talk about God is for you. We've talked about several pieces. God's for you. He strengthens you. He, he works in your prayers. Uh, God is for you. Uh, he doesn't uh, stop working on you. We talked about the potter and the clay. You're the clay on the wheel. And even though the clay, the clay, you and I, the clay, inferior, 
filled with a lot of garbage, stuff that can't be molded, stuff that only the potter knows. Only the potter knows what's in the clay. The clay might have some idea, but only the potter knows what he's working with. And again, in Jeremiah 18, we talked about the potter and the clay, how, how God doesn't throw the clay away. He doesn't throw the clay away. Even though it says, and the pot was flawed. The, the clay was flawed in the potter's hand, and it says he made it again a new vessel. But he didn't trade the clay out. He used the same clay, he smashed it, brought it back, put some water, and began to move upon it again to make it a brand new vessel. God never gives up on you. God's not finished with you. No matter how flawed you are, no matter what baggage you bring into the room, no matter how you see what you have to offer God to work with. And most of us would see that we don't have a lot to offer, that we, we're at need. We, we, we look at ourselves and say, God, how in the world will you make much out of this? God says, only I can see what I'm doing. You can't see what God's doing in someone else's life. Only God the potter knows exactly what this pot will turn out like. We talked about John Newton, the, the slave captain and what happened to John Newton's life and so cruel, so bad. His whole life story is unbelievable. Who would have known that God would take that horrible man to write the song Amazing Grace and turn out to be one of the world's great preachers that had influence on some of the world's great thinkers? Who would have known? Nobody would have known. If you were looking at that particular season of John Newton's life, you would shake your head and say, what a horrible human being. What a horrible piece of clay. He should throw that piece of clay into the deepest sea and never dig it out again. Nothing should ever be done with a person like that. That's what you see because you only see a slice of time where God sees the beginning and the end and what he sees is totally different than what you see. So God says, no, you don't know what I'm making. Oh, no, I don't. How can you? Because I'm God. I can, I can take the Paul's who was the Saul, the persecutor, making an apostle. I can take Peter, the, the fisherman who had so many, you know, flaws and make him the great preacher on the day of Pentecost. You don't see where I'm taking this piece of clay. Now, sometimes, not only can I not see where God's taken you, you can't see where God's taken yourself. So someone comes along and says, you know what? You're a mighty, great piece of clay. Who are you talking to? You. No, 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 you're not talking about me. Yes, I am. Not only are you a mighty piece of clay. Now, now park on this with me and get it. Assimilate my thought right here. Not only are you a mighty piece of clay because of Christ, because of the cross, because of the blood, because of all the sovereign compassion of almighty God. Not only are you a mighty piece of clay. Are you ready for this? You're going to do mighty things for God. What? Yes. Can you imagine someone saying that to Martin Luther or John Newton or Peter or start going through the whole list of people? You're going to be used of God in a mighty way. I don't, I don't think so, Pastor Frank. Honestly, you know, my life is, I, I'm barely just able to put one foot in front of another. Right now you are. Right now, you see yourself the way you are, but God sees you how you're going to be. And what he sees you're going to be, he sees in you right now. And so what he sees in you right now is camouflaged by what he sees you're going to be. He never sees where you are. He sees where you're going. God says, I got a great thing going here. Oh, 
I got a great thing going here. I'm going to use this person to do mighty, mighty things. Maybe one day you were financially broke, didn't have a dime to give anybody, hopelessly in debt, did not know where the next monies were coming to pay a car bill for a broken down car and an apartment bill for an apartment you don't want to live in and a job that doesn't hardly pay anything and you see yourself so locked into the lack, the lack, the lack, the lack that you could never see yourself becoming something other than this person who is just in a horrible need. Do you not understand that people that go through that kind of a process where they know what lack is, they know what worry is, they know what it is to fear, they know what it is to be in that low valley, they know what it is not to have. And then as God begins to progress in their life, they learn a grace of faith and a grace of giving, but no one can see that they're going to come up on the other side over here and they're going to have abundance. They're going to have more than you could ever imagine to give to people and they'll do it with such faith. They'll be looking for people to give to. Why? Because they've known what it's like to live in lack and now they have more than enough and God has worked in them and they'll be able to give. Am I talking to anybody? Yes. I know those people. I know those people. That person that was immorally, unbelievably bad. Who ends up being unbelievably delivered and gracious and an awesome counselor and an awesome person. If I want to hand somebody that's broken and someone that's going through that kind of a problem, I hand them to a person that's been through the fire, come out through the fire, come to the other side, a brand new vessel filled with wisdom and compassion and the mighty works of God. And when they lay hands on that person to help, it's not just the facts that are coming out of the Bible. It's a life that's been changed. And they put into that person, you can change, you can change. Where are you at? What are you doing? What's going on? God wants you to believe. If, if you don't hear anything else from this preacher today, hear this. He wants you to believe you are destined to do mighty things. And don't cancel yourself out because of where you are or who you are. Lift your vision and say, it's possible. You know what? That could happen in my life. Then watch what God might do. God is with you. Here's my title. To do amazing things. Amazing things. God wants to do amazing things through you. What would they be? What is it? I, I have so many illustrations right there in my mind and in my notes. I could give you several mind-boggling, wonderful illustrations of people that were nothing, that became a God something that actually had an impact on the world because God is in charge of that piece of clay. He says, I don't just want to change you. I want to use you. I want to do amazing things through you. How about this? God is for me. Do you fit any of these? Unlikely hero. I would think so. Sinful. 
failing, flawed, weak people. Who does God use? Well, most of the time, God uses these kind of people. By the way, in the Bible. People that are unlikely, unlikely, unlikely heroes. Not first choice, not even second choice. They might not even get on the team. They're unlikely. They're sinful. And they're people who have known failure, and they're people who have a flaw. And we are so good. We are so good. We are professional. We are professional. We have a degree in hiding our flaws. We don't want anyone to know how flawed we really are. Personality, character, background, stuff that we have gone through, our stuff that we feel right now. If some of you could open up your life and we could see how fearful you really live and how filled with anxiety and how some of your thinking patterns are so out of whack, you would be so embarrassed. So you hide that. You don't let that be the first thing come out of your life. You're flawed in the area of your faith or you're flawed in the area of your uh, character or your integrity or, or maybe it's with your, your tongue and your, and your words or it could be a number of things that it could be our family tree we're embarrassed about and flawed in that family tree. We're so embarrassed about dad, so embarrassed about mom. When you see other people talking about family, you just ache inside. You want so bad to have a family you can talk about, but you can't talk about your family. Why? Because your family doesn't represent anything good to talk about. You're embarrassed about it. You camouflage it. Nobody knows, but you camouflage it. You put it off. You won't go there. You won't people know anything about it. Why? Because you're embarrassed that if they saw your family, they might think you are just like your family. And they would judge you to a grid that you're embarrassed about, so you keep away from it. God has a way of using people that have bad families as much as those who have good families. We know Timothy had a great grandmother and mother, had a crummy father. People always preach on his grandmother and mother in the faith of Lois and Eunice. And it's a great message. I preach it. But what about his father? Who was a pagan man. A man who had nothing to do with mother and grandmother faith. Flawed family. What about Joseph's family? When was the last time your family sold you into slavery? When was the last time your family killed an animal and sprinkled blood on your coat and took it home to dad and say, an animal ate him, sorry dad. <laughs> you know, Joseph was big mouth, big dreamer and he had a lot of dreams, but that lion just, mm, it's over. Watching your own father die a thousand deaths, what kind of a family, what kind of a brotherhood would let the father suffer day after day? It said that it almost killed him and almost put him in the grave that he ached so much for Joseph. He never got over it, and they never confessed it. They never told him. But one day, God told him, and then he still didn't believe it. Are you flawed? Would there be anybody listening to my voice right now that would say, Pastor Frank, I have a few well-camouflaged flaws. Can I see your hands? How many of you would like a fresh makeup kit to really take care of that? 
I always think it's unfair that women are able to hide all their flaws. <laughs> Men, they're just flat ugly. All they do is shave and put on something that smells good, but it, the smell doesn't cover the ugliness. But women, they can cover it. Okay, we won't go there. All right. Book of Judges. Book of Judges. There are 14 people in the Book of Judges that were flawed. Unlikely. Not the first choice. And you probably cannot name one of them. Maybe, if you read your Bible, you might name one of them. Most of them, you don't know them, and if your life depended on it with a gun to your head, you could not come up with their name or anything about them. But there's 14 of them. And these 14 people are people who are miracle people. They're the unknown, ordinary not much is known about them, but they live in a time period where they became very important. Why? Because, and I'll tell you because in a moment, but the 14, you had Moses, who was a great deliverer. He's not part of the book of Judges. And then you had Joshua, a great deliverer after Moses. And Joshua is the last one, and then the book of Judges comes. And then later on, you have the book of Chronicles, Kings, and Samuel that deals with David, Saul, and Solomon, the, 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 the books that deal with Israel having a king, a king, a kingdom. But there is no kingdom yet. They come out of Egypt. They're a large group of people. They don't know how to organize themselves. They, they have come into the land. They've fought some enemies. The land is filled with milk and honey. And so the people do some funny things. This is what happened. If you would map the book, it would go like this. 14 times. The people... When there was a Joshua, it says they called upon the name of the Lord. They called upon the name of the Lord. They built altars to God. They served the Lord with all their heart. As soon as Joshua was gone, it says the people departed from the Lord, built altars to Baal. They served other gods. They became immoral. They did all kinds of wrong things. They had sinful habits. And then God would come down and judge the people for their sinful habits. Might take a decade, three, five, seven decades. Finally, the judgment of God would come. And then it says, 14 times, and they cried out to God. They cried unto the Lord, oh God, please take away the Midianites. Oh God, please forgive us for what we've done to the land and done to the temple and your altar. And Lord, we will return to you. What do we have to do? And they would cry out to the Lord and the Lord would raise up a deliverer called a judge. A deliverer. The deliverer would deliver them from the enemy, rebuild the altars, regather the people around the covenant. They would do well as long as the deliverer lived. And as soon as he died, as soon as he died, they would go off. By the way, park right there. Come over here. It's not just a history of a nation. Does it sound a little bit like some people's lives? Up, down, up, down, up. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Please, 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 please. Oh, God, oh, God, please. If you do this, if you do this, I'll never do it again. Oh, God, 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 God. God says, okay, delivers you. Oh, favors you. Oh, the pressure's off. Oh, I'm blessed. Oh, and then you start 
Serving your flesh, serving other God, doing other things. Let some habits begin to surface again. Before you know it, you're carnal, hard-hearted, selfish. You're doing things behind the back of God. You're not really walking with the Lord anymore. You're, you're, you're kind of in the back pew instead of the front. Nothing wrong with that because you sit wherever you have to sit. Uh, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. All of a sudden, stuff has crowded into your life. You need a deliverer. The book of Judges is all about the Messiah, the great deliverer, the Christ that lives in us, the Christ that will deliver us, the Holy Spirit that will come to us. It's all about that. And that's what the book of Judges is trying to paint. When you fall away from the Lord, there is a way out, but you got to call on the deliverer. Well, the whole book of Judges is built on God using ordinary people. Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Deborah Barak. Gideon, Jephthah. Wow, all of their stories. Let's look at one. At least I'm going to give you this one slide, and that's all you're going to get. One page of notes. Done, five left undone. Such is the habit of a preacher. At least this one. How many are getting something out of this? Come on, how many getting something out of this saying? All right, Gideon. Gideon is the one we're going to look at. This, this is your assignment. Okay, this is your assignment. I want you to read the book of Judges this week. All right? Won't take you but 20 minutes. For some of you, three hours for others. Because you'll, you'll read and have to start over again. Over, you know. But if you sat down to read it, you could probably read the whole book in 20, 30 minutes. I want you to read the book of Judges. Think about what I'm saying. And I want you to actually go to Judges chapter 6 and read it very carefully. Why? Because I'm going to talk about Gideon. Why? Because the very title of my series is buried in one of the verses. You find it, circle it, make sure you find it in your Bible. Where Gideon was what? One who cuts down. That's his name. But he had no idea he'd be the guy to cut down. He had no idea he would be the guy to cut down the altars of Baal. He had no idea. But that's what his name was at birth. Prophetically, it was in him, but he couldn't see it. He was hiding in a cave, threshing a handful of wheat to feed his family. He was in a very bad way. He went from zero to hero. Everyone say it out loud from? Zero to hero. Come on, one more time. All day long, when you go to eat, you go to fellowship, you say to people, zero to hero. Zero to hero. What are you talking about? That's my life. Zero to hero. What are you talking about? I am a Gideon. Zero. Come on, say it with me. How about this next one? From weakness to strength. Come on, say it. Next one. Come on, some of you are flat out hiding. No, not me. I can't do it. No, 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 no. God says, yes, no, 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 you don't know what you're dealing with. I got so much stuff. And even though you're God, you really don't know what you're buying into here. <laughs> you're hiding. How about fear to faith? I didn't say you could say that. <laughs> How about failure to success? Failure to success. You're, you're going to say it no matter what I do. Okay, let's all say it together. Fear to faith. How many would like that list to be your life? Man, I would. Oh, by the way, it is. That, that is my life. That is. By the way, it can happen. It can happen to you. 
It happened to Peter. Peter was a zero with the rim knocked off. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> happened to Peter. I remember Peter standing there at Pendleton on the, on the stands as we're watching Becky playing basketball. Just a little teenage girl. My daughter was on the team with him. And, and Peter said to me, I'm going to marry her. I said, you dirty old man. How could you even think that? He had vision. And it was a good vision. I don't know how that fits. I can't remember why I'm even bringing this up. Come on. How many of you would say, I'm on the potter's wheel. God's making something good. I'm excited about my life. I'm going to be used of the Lord. You know what? It doesn't get any better than this. I'm believing God's going to use me. God's going to use me. Amazing things are coming. Whatever I've gone through, God can use for my good. Wow, what a thought. God is on my side.